Hello, my friends. This is Dan Jones with another quiet talk for you. Hope it's a blessing to you. The title of this talk, Holiness and Grace, is made up of two words that Christians sometimes seem to think are opposites or somehow in conflict with each other. Holiness is thought to consist in living by a strict code of outward behavior. Grace is God looking the other way when you don't. People often excuse sin by saying, I believe in God's grace. There are groups of believers who enforce strict dress codes, for example, churches who absolutely forbid women to ever cut their hair or wear makeup or jewelry. They are sometimes called holiness people. On the other hand, some Christians seem to have no standards at all. If you challenge them, they will often say, well, It's all about the grace of God. So what is holiness and what is grace from the point of view of the Bible? Let's do grace first, since it's a word you probably hear a lot more often in American churches nowadays. As with many words, the scriptures infuse deeper meaning into the common word grace. When I think of this word outside of Christian theology, I think of a a ballet dancer who moves with grace, or a person who acts with kindness toward everyone, regardless of who they are. The best way to understand any word is by context. Sometimes in everyday conversation, someone will use a word incorrectly, but we may still understand what they're trying to say by the context. The Bible doesn't use words incorrectly, but it often enriches their meaning. Grace is an excellent example of this. First of all, grace, of course, is freely given by God. It's not earned. Listen to Paul's testimony about his own powerful ministry of the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, he said, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. In some ways, it sounds here like he's bragging, but he's not taking any credit whatsoever for his accomplishments. He says, it wasn't me, but the grace of God. I did what I did through grace. So, what can we infer from this? Grace in this context is a divine enabling, a power that God imparts to do his will. It is something beyond the human, something obviously that God gives. God empowers his servants, and that power is called grace. Now, when it comes to holiness, are these two ideas really in conflict? Not at all. Here's another passage about grace, Titus 2. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly 
in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. That doesn't sound like God overlooking sinful behavior. Grace teaches us not to excuse sin, but to deny ungodliness and lust and live a righteous and godly life since Jesus died to purify his people. Here, grace, as with Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, is the empowerment from God to live a holy life. Before I run out of time, let me talk a little about what holiness is. I alluded earlier to folks for whom holiness is apparently an outward standard of conduct or appearance. Holiness should certainly manifest itself in our outward lives, in what others see in us. But it is so much more than that. In the Bible, to be holy is to be set apart for special use. In your house, you may have certain dishes that you don't use every day. Perhaps the china they gave you when you got married, it's special. When you go into the kitchen at 9 o'clock at night and make yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you usually don't get out china for that. We are meant to be like that special china. Our lives are to be exclusively for God's special service. That's what it means to be holy. It's about ownership. My life belongs to God. It revolves around Him. My love for Christ is the most important thing about me. It's why I exist. And if this is true about me, this inner reality will manifest itself in my outward behavior. Here is a great illustration for this. 1 Corinthians 6, 13. Yet the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now, there's a word you don't hear often nowadays. None of the modern translations that I recall use the word fornication. It translates the Greek word porneia. It's a sin that is widely excused in the church today. Perhaps we should bring back the word fornication. Anyway, This is the essence of holiness. Paul says to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to the Lord. If you're a Christian, your body should be holy. In other words, it belongs to Jesus, and you have consecrated it to him and his purposes. But not just your body, but your mind, your heart, your possessions, your family, your future, everything. Many church attenders today, and their number has been dwindling, think of God as part of their lives. Years ago, I heard a famous entertainer give her testimony. She encouraged her audience to make Jesus a part of their lives. She was a dear person, I'm sure. But Jesus is not interested in being a part of anything. Colossians 3.11 says, Christ is all and in all all. Christ is all. 
all or nothing at all. He is not a figurine on your dashboard. He is the King of kings and the Lord of glory. He gave his life for the sin of all the world, from Adam and Eve to the last person who will be born on this planet. So, holiness characterizes the life fully yielded to Christ. When we give our all to him, that power of grace and holiness works out from the inside of us. It does indeed affect our outward behavior, not through fear of punishment or peer pressure, but by the power of the life of Jesus within. He who himself is our holiness. Paul said, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That is holiness. So I ask you, precious friend, have you embraced this holiness? Have you surrendered your all to the one who surrendered his life for you, who gave his body to be beaten, spit upon, nailed to a cross? Holiness can only be ours through grace. Grace that is not an excuse for sin, but is the power God gives to live above sin. And in the Bible, we read how God imparts more grace to us. James 4 tells us, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God will give you more grace when you humble yourself. The most effective way to humble ourselves is to confess our sins. In the next chapter, James says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. This is not an easy thing to do, but the reward is worth it. For it is only by the grace of God that we can be effective disciples of Jesus Christ. Dear Father God, I pray that my listeners would this moment receive the grace of understanding, of insight into the truth of this subject of grace and holiness. And I pray, O God, that the life of Jesus within us would shine forth to this world, that more people would come to know Christ through us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. My dear friend, I ask you to pray for us that we'll get more grace as we not only seek to humble ourselves, but seek to be used of God in this ministry that he's called us to in Schenectady, New York, the Bread of Life Anglican Church, which with God's help we're seeking to plant there. We meet Sundays at 10 o'clock. And uh, we meet at 1809 Union Street, which is the American Legion Hall. We're starting a church and meeting there. And we meet at 10 o'clock on Sundays. And if you don't have a church home, you live in that area, we would love to meet you. 10 o'clock, Sunday morning, 1809 Union Street. As always, you can reach me by email at father.danjones at outlook.com. May God richly bless you.